Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, and it's good to look up and to see you and to worship you. We thank you for this past week and the many homes opened up and the gospel shared and children who came and learned about you and pray that it would be a life-transforming experience for all who came. Lord, we're thankful for this coming Saturday and Lord, help us to, to partner and equip parents to be able to raise children in a hostile culture and follow you. As we're here today, we are a needy people. You know our needs, so many who are sick and pray you would bring healing and relationships that are struggling and we pray for reconciliation and financial needs meet financial needs. You know all of our needs and pray that you would meet our needs. As we open up your word today, we pray that you would forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see Jesus. We pray for revival. Our hearts are broken over our, our nation, and so we pray for revival in your church. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And may that lead to a great spiritual awakening in our land. Our hope is in you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> this week I was meeting with a couple and the guy said, you know, Smiley, I come from an odd family. You know how I responded to that? Me too. It's true, isn't it? I mean, if you get close to every family, it's rather odd, isn't it? I'm with people often, they say, well, you know, Smiley, I came from a dysfunctional family. To which I said, well, I'm glad I didn't. Aren't all families really dysfunctional if you get close to them? And that's why this morning we're going to lift up a model. It's not my family or your family, but we're going to lift up a model of healthy relationships. And, and, the, and the model for healthy relationships is that Jesus is our model for healthy relationships. He's our model. We're, we're in a three-part series uh, called Jesus is Our Model for Life and Ministry. And, and what we've been learning, if, if we want a model for life, like what should marriage look like or what does it mean to be parented, parented or parenting? We should look at Jesus. He's our model for life, but he's also our model for ministry. If we want to know how to reach the people we love for Christ or how to disciple people, what better model than to look at Jesus? So we've spent three weeks. This is our third week. The first week, we looked at how Jesus is our model for excellent behavior and uh, how important our behavior is. And then last week, we looked at how Jesus is our model. He's our model for suffering. And we talked about how important it is that we cross the pain line. Did you cross the pain line this week? I had lunch this week with a guy, and he was sharing his 10-year-old this week had the first experience of being laughed at for being a Christian. He, he at 10 years old, had that experience of crossing the pain line and, and experiencing what it's like to suffer for Jesus. And today, what we're going to learn is that Jesus is our model for healthy relationships. And we're going to do today what we did a couple of weeks ago. First of all, we're going to look at the standard. If you want healthy relationships, what would that look like, the standard? And then we'll look at what's the problem. Why don't we all experience that standard? And then we'll look at the solution. How, how can we move toward the standard? So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter 3. And Peter, the Apostle Peter, is writing this letter to Christians who are living as a persecuted minority in a hostile culture. 
And that's what we're seeking is we want through this is to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. So we begin in the same way, you wives. Notice in the same way, that's because he's already said, this is what I want you to do. Christians were living in a hostile culture. They were accused of all kinds of terrible things. And Peter said, you can silence them by your behavior. And then he said, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus in our country. Remember, he said, to follow Jesus in our country is to have excellent behavior, to, to submit to the governing authorities and to honor all people. And then he said, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus in the workplace, how we're to be submissive to our bosses and to be excellent workers. And now in verses 1 through 7, he says, this is what it should look like in our homes as we live in a hostile culture. This is what our homes should look like. And then in verses 8 through 12, this is what life should look like in our church to have healthy relationships in a hostile culture. So, in the same way, this is what it looks like in our home. You wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Many are here are married to unbelieving husbands and and he says, listen, if you shared the gospel with your husband and he just says, I'm not interested, listen, win them with your behavior, win them with your behavior as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Certainly in our culture, there's a lot of attention on, on women on the outside, right? But it's saying, listen, don't neglect the outside, but take care of the inside. And what should really set Christian wives apart is that they adorn the inside with a gentle and quiet spirit. For in the same way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I found that verse this week, and I, I told Karen, I said, hey, beautiful, know what Sarah called Abraham? <laughs> you know what she said? That's not happening here, okay? <laughs> Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. So the standard for healthy relationships, the standard for marriage in healthy relationships is the Bible says that wives are to be submissive to their own husbands. Then it turns to the men, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker. Oh, I can hear the pushback. What does that mean? <laughs> Isn't it interesting that things that are obvious to us are things we struggle with? He's certainly not saying that, that a wife is weaker in her brain or with her tongue. But he is saying that women are weaker with their bodies, right? I mean, how many women are there in the NFL? How many? Are you guys there? There's none. Well, why is that? How many women are there in the NBA? How many women are there in Major League Baseball? Did you know we have Olympics going on and they have what? They have women's sports, right? And they have men's sports, right? Because it wouldn't be fair if they competed together. 
It's just saying that generally men are stronger than women. Now, I know a lot of women who can beat me up. I know that. <laughs> now, don't keep me laughing, okay? We can't make progress here. But I think what it's saying is God made men stronger so that they would protect their wives and provide for their wives and not abuse them. Since she is a weaker vessel, since she is weak, as someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show the, show her honor, as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. It's so interesting. I just read a verse, and in our country, we're shocked by something that in the rest of the world and throughout history wouldn't have shocked anyone. But I read something that would have shocked everybody throughout history that you didn't even notice. What would have shocked the readers then and what would shock people around the world is what it says right here. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. That was revolutionary that your wife is your equal. She's a fellow heir of the grace of God. Men were heirs, not women. That was revolutionary. And we read that and it doesn't even, it doesn't even register in, in our minds. I want you to know that as the gospel spread around the world, the value of women went up and up and up because the Bible affirms the value of women. So here it is. The, the model, the, the, the standard for the homes is that wives would be submissive to their husbands and that husbands would be loving leaders in their home. Well, what would it look like to follow Jesus in church? To sum up all of you, be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So there's a standard for healthy relationships in the home. Wives are submissive. Husbands are loving leaders. In the church, there's a standard that is one of that we love one another as brothers and sisters. Now, a lot of churches would start, stop right there and say, go and do it. What's the problem with that? What's the problem with that? It's not so easy, is it? So, so there's the standard, but, but what's the problem? Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? The problem is this. Only one person has ever kept the standard, and that's Jesus. All of us fall short. We all fall short as husbands and wives. None of us have lived up to that standard. We all fall short as church members. That didn't describe us at all, did it? So then the question is, what's the solution? What's the, how do we move? How do we move toward the standard? That's what we need Jesus for, right? That's what grace is about. Did you see that in verse 8? That we are fellow heirs of the grace of life? What I shared with you a few weeks ago is grace is not Jesus saying the standard is too high. Let's lower it because nobody lives up to it. Grace is what? Grace is Jesus moving into his people, moving into his people, and then lifting us to the standard. And you say, well, what is grace? It is the best news ever. Grace is that we can get what we don't deserve. Are you like me? 
Man, I am so glad I didn't get what I deserve. What grace means is we can get what we don't deserve. And you say, what? Here's the gospel in Romans 6, 23. Notice, for the wages of sin is death. Do you see the word sin? What a sin is, it's a crime against God. Sin is not primarily against others. It's an offense against God. When we make a decision and don't put God first, that's a crime against God. When we disobey our mother or father, that's a crime against God. When we engage in sex outside of marriage, it's a crime against God. When we steal, when we bear false witness, when we want what other people have, that's a crime against God. And what do we deserve for committing crime after crime after God? Notice what it says, the wages. That means if we got paid what we deserve for our crimes against God, it is death. And death is not simply physical death, the separation of our body and spirit from one another, but eternal death, the separation of our body and spirit from God and from all good things forever, and that's what hell is. Sometimes I'm talking with people and they'll say, all I want from God is what I deserve. And I say, no, no, no. The one thing you don't want is what you deserve. But I've got some good news for you. You can get something so much better than what you deserve. You can get grace. For, you know, <clears throat> for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice that free gift. I know people who would do anything for a gift. It's a free gift, and it's eternal life. Don't we long to live forever, don't we? Isn't that why we weep at a funeral? Because there's something in us that wants to live forever, and we can. It's a free gift, and where is it? It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know who Jesus is? He's God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth so that we could get what we don't deserve. God the Son put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and then he went to the cross, and on the cross, he took our sins upon himself, and he paid the penalty for what our sins deserve. He experienced hell for us on the cross. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus took the wages of sin that was death, paid for our sins in full. He walked out of the grave on the third day so that we could have what he deserves, which is eternal life. Jesus walked out of the tomb proving he had conquered sin and death, and he offers us the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life. And you say, what is eternal life? It's the forgiveness of sins. It's the opportunity to do life with Jesus and do eternity with Jesus. And what does he require of us? John 6, 47, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Jesus says it's when we put our faith in him, when we believe in him, that's when we're given eternal life. Have you? Well, Smiley, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Doesn't everybody believe in Jesus? Saving faith really is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. If you've never done that, won't you do that now? To admit, there was a day in my life where I admitted, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Won't you? And then I believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then I committed to Jesus as Savior. I want you to forgive me and, and give me eternal life. Be my Savior and, and be Lord of my life. Today, my rebellion against you stops, and as you give me strength, I'll follow you, won't you? You can do that right where you are. You can admit and believe and commit. 
I'll give you a chance as we close in prayer. But what an invitation, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. And listen, if you have believed, I want you to know you have eternal life. Eternal life doesn't believe when you die. It believes the moment you put your faith in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, he moves into you, and he says to you, follow me. But here's what I want you to know. Everything Jesus calls us to do is impossible for us to do. Did you know that? Everything Jesus calls us to do is impossible for us to do. And that's why we have to run to Jesus and ask him to give us everything we need to follow him. Listen, wives, uh, husbands, church members, we can't follow Jesus on our own. We need Jesus to lift us to the standard. And how does he do that? How does he do that? First of all, he gives us the Holy Spirit to lift us to the standard, to lift us to the standard. In verse 1, in the same way, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Um, a wife has two problems there. What are the problems she has with submitting to her husband? What are they? There's two. She doesn't want to, right? I don't want to do that. And then she's not able to, right? When a husband reads, husbands, you husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir, heir. You know what his two problems are? He doesn't want to love her like that. And he's not able to love her like that. And when we read, uh, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. You know what we have as a problem there? We don't want to, and we're not able to. And that's why Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. The reason he's called the Holy Spirit is he's given to us to give us the desire and power to be holy, the desire and power to follow him. Jesus gives wives the Holy Spirit so that they would have supernatural power to, to want to and be able to be submissive to their husbands. And Jesus gives husbands, the Holy Spirit, supernatural power to change their want to and give them the ability to be loving leaders in their homes. And Jesus gives us, us as disciples or church members the Holy Spirit to give us a supernatural desire and power to love one another in the body of Christ. We see this in John chapter 7. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, what does that mean? If you're a wife and you're saying, man, I don't like this submission stuff. That's who he's talking to. If you're a husband, you say this idea of being lovingly, I don't like that loving, I, that's hard. I could never do that. You're who he's inviting. Are you thirsty? Do you want a healthy relationship? Do you? If you want it, if you recognize your need, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Run to me. I'll supply you with everything you need to be submissive to your husband or to love your wife or to love one another. You just come to me, I'll give it to you. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus would go to the cross, he would die, he would rise, he would appear to his disciples over a period of 40 days, and then a week later the Holy Spirit would fall in the church, and now the Holy Spirit is given to all believers. 
so that we would have the desire and the power to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus in our homes, to follow Jesus in our church. So how does Jesus lift us to the standard of healthy relationships? He gives us the Holy Spirit, right, to give us the desire and power to have healthy relationships. Do you know what else Jesus gives us to, to, to help lift us to the standard? He gives us his example. He gives us his example of healthy relationships. I think that there are wives here who say, I can't be submissive to my husband. I don't know what it looks like. I've never seen it. My mom wasn't like that. I've never seen it. What does it look like? And if you're a Christian, you know what Jesus says to you? He says, follow me, and I'll show you. If you're alive and you want to know what submission looks like, Jesus invites you to follow him. Let me show you. In, in, John, chapter, in John chapter 8, verse 27, then they, they did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. We believe there is one God, and he exists eternally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three persons in the Godhead, they're equal in power. None is superior to others. But when Jesus came to earth, the Father had a plan. The Father had a plan to save us, and Jesus' entire life was lived in submission to the will of his Father. He was not inferior, but he chose to submit himself to the will of his Father that we could be saved. Do you see that here? I do nothing on my own initiative. Jesus said, everything I do, I do because the Father asked me to. And the things that I speak, I speak the things, I only speak the things the Father tells me to speak. He lived his life in submission to his Father. It wasn't about being inferior, it was about saving us. He goes on, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Why is you want to know what submission looks like? Look at how Jesus, out of love for his Father and out of love for us, lived his life in submission to his Father. Um, and then I can almost hear a wife say, well, wait a minute, does that mean I, I can't have an opinion? Does that mean I can't speak up? No. Again, if Jesus says, if you want to know what submission looks like, follow me. Just spend time with me and I'll show you. You do remember Jesus right on the night before he was crucified, right? Remember, as he got closer to the cross, what the Father was asking him to do was rather tough, remember? So we find Jesus. What does submission look like? We see it in the garden, don't we? The Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26. And he, Jesus, went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you so Jesus spoke up. Submission didn't mean that he didn't speak up. He spoke up and says, listen, if there's any other way for you to save our people other than me going to the cross, let me know, let me know. And yet, not my will, but your will. The Father said there's no other way. And so he went. Wives, isn't it great to follow Jesus? Jesus goes first. Jesus goes farthest. He never asked you to do anything that he himself was unwilling to do. And no matter what your husband ever asked you to do, 
it will be not nearly as difficult as what the Father asked Jesus to do, to go to the cross and bear our sins. Husbands here, husbands here say, well, you know, it's not, I, I can't be a loving leader in my home. My dad certainly wasn't a loving leader. I don't know how to do it. What would that look like? If you're a husband and you want to know what it looks like to be a loving leader, you know what Jesus says to you? He says, follow me. Follow me and I'll show you what a husband looks like. I'll show you what loving leader looks like. Uh, remember when Peter and John, remember when Peter and John, they asked for the two best seats in the kingdom. Remember, can we have the best seats? And I pick up the story in Matthew 20. And hearing this, the 10 became indignant with the two brothers. The 10 were mad because they thought those seats had their names on them. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. One of the reasons wives don't want to submit is they have this picture of leadership like the world has it. Jesus says, you know how the Gentiles have leaders, right? Leaders among the Gentiles, unbelievers, they lord it over those under them. And certainly many Christian husbands have abused their position as husbands to really oppress their wives. And Jesus says, that's what unbelievers do. The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. It's not to be like that when the husband is following Jesus, but whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. You want to be a great husband? Then be a servant to your wife. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. But Smiley, what does that look like? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus loves his bride, the church, right? And so he came to do what? to serve and to serve and to serve and to sacrifice for her, right? Even on the night in which he was betrayed, what is he doing? He's washing the feet of his disciples. Who ever heard of the leader washing the feet of his disciples, right? But Jesus did. And then he went to the cross and gave himself as a ransom for many. Listen, husbands, Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you how to be a loving leader in your home. And, and, and husbands, I want you to know something. Jesus goes first, and he goes farthest. And you will never serve your wife. You'll never sacrifice as much for her as Jesus has done for you. So that's what Jesus says to husbands. Follow me. He's our example, right? Uh, well, what about church members? We, we guys say, well, I don't know what it looks like to, to be a loving member of the church. How do I love one another as brother and sister? And Jesus says to you, what? Follow me in the church. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Isn't that what we read? Isn't this really a description of Jesus? Starting in verse 8, to sum up, all of you be harmonious. Isn't that Jesus? Follow me. I was harmonious, sympathetic. Isn't that Jesus brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit? Isn't Jesus humble? Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Isn't that Jesus? But giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good deeds must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Isn't that Jesus? He says, follow me, I'll show you how. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Jesus says, follow me, I'll show you how. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous 
and his ears attend to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who did evil. Listen, there's a standard, a standard for healthy relationships in the home and church. And and, and listen, we we need to run to Jesus so that he can lift us to the standard, right? And and he gives us the spirit, giving us the desire and power. He He gives us a model and an example to show us what it would look like. And, uh, and then he gives us a purpose, a purpose, because we, we might say, well, why in the world would I want to run to Jesus and, and, and seek help from him to rise to the standard? And, and he tells us why. He tells us why it's so important that we do in his purpose. <clears throat> Look at, um, at verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead for you were called for this purpose that you might inherit a blessing. If you're a Christian, Jesus says to you, I will bless you and make you a blessing. I will bless you and make you a blessing. And the reason you want to run to Jesus for everything you need to follow him in the home and church is when you follow Jesus at home and at church, you will be blessed and be a blessing to others. Everyone will win when you do that. Notice what he says in verse 10. The one who desires life. You want life? Do you? To love and see good day, d- days. Do you want to see, do you want to love and see good day, deeds, days? <sighs> Slow down. Take a breath. Who desires life to love and see good de- days? Listen, the reason we want to seek everything from Jesus to, to pursue healthy relationships is because everyone wins when we do. We are blessed and we become a blessing to others. One of my favorite verses is in Psalm 16. And um, you will make known to me the path of life. Why do we want to follow Jesus in the home, in church? Because that's the path of life. Uh, in your presence is fullness of joy. We want to pursue that because that's where joy is. And in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Wives, why would you want to be submissive to your husband? Because when you are, everyone wins. You get life. You get joy. You get pleasure. You bless others. You bless your husband. You bless your children. You bless your church. You bless your community. You bring joy to God. Husbands, husbands, why would you want to seek Jesus' help to be a loving leader in your house? Because that's where you'll find life and joy and pleasure forever. You'll be blessed. You'll be a blessing to your wife, to your children, to your church, to your community, to God. Why should we as church members seek the Lord's help to love one another as brothers and sisters? Because that's the path of life. That's where joy is. That's where pleasure is forever. We'll be blessed, and then we bless others. Matter of fact, listen to what happens when we do that. In John 13, verse 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I have never seen America so dark. I've never seen America so angry. I've never seen America so divided. What a great time to be the church. Because if we run to Jesus and get everything we need to love one another, 
to love one another, the Bible says the people in this community will know about our love and they will be drawn to Christ. People are looking for love. They're looking for a place where there's community and people love one another. And we have the opportunity to be that people. I know how powerful that is. That's how I became a Christian. I was invited to Young Life and I walked into a room of people and they loved each other. And I said, I don't know what these people have, but I want it. And then my young life leader shared the gospel with me, and I came to faith in Christ. Wouldn't it be great when people would come on Sunday morning that they could tell that we love one another, and they would say, I don't know what these people have, but listen, I want it, and we can point them to Jesus. So what have we learned that the standard, the standard for uh, for healthy relationships is that wives would be submissive to their husbands, that husbands would be loving leaders. What have we learned? The problem is only Jesus got it right. And, uh, and what's the solution? Jesus, his grace, that we would run to Jesus and he would give us his spirit to give us the desire and power, that, that we would run to Jesus and see a model, an example of what it looks like, that we would run to Jesus and remember our purpose, why it matters. So let's turn a corner now and and let me share with you what I'd love for you to do this week, the action step for this week, is I want you to run to Jesus and get what we need to follow him. I want you to run to Jesus and get what we need to follow him, to follow him in our homes, to follow him in our church. Remember when we were back in John 7? Remember what Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty? He invites people who long for healthy relationships. Do you want it? Do you want a healthy marriage? Do you want a healthy church? He's inviting you. He's inviting people who want healthy relationships. He's inviting people who realize they're never going to get there on their own. They're never going to get there on their own. They need help. I need help, do you? Then notice what he says, let him come to me and drink. He says, come to me and I'll supply you with everything you need for healthy relationships in your home and your church. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says if we would come to him, he would pour out his Holy Spirit on us, giving us a supernatural desire and power to have healthy relationships in our home and church. He says if we would come and look at him, we'd see a model. We'd see what it looks like to have healthy relationships. If we would come to him, we'd find a purpose big enough, big enough that we would want healthy relationships for us. So you say, well, how, how do we do that? How, how do we do that? How do we come to Jesus and drink? Doesn't it start on Sunday? Doesn't it? Isn't that why we're here? Why are we here? We're here not because we're good, but because we're not. We're here because we long for healthy relationships, but recognize we need help. And so we're here saying, Jesus, pour out your spirit on us to give us the desire and power to have healthy relationships. We're here to see a model, a model of what it would look like. We're here to be reminded of the purpose, why it matters, right? And isn't that why we gather in small groups? Isn't it a time to come and drink? Because we recognize how much we need Jesus to have healthy relationships. And isn't that why we get up in the morning and start our day with Jesus, isn't it? Listen, I don't get up and spend time with Jesus because I'm good. I spend time with Jesus because I'm not. I need him. I need him to love my wife. I need him to love God's people, don't you? And when I come to Jesus and I bring my need to him, he pours out the Holy Spirit on me, giving me the desire and power to be the person he wants me to be. He reminds me through his model of how beautiful it is, what a loving leader looks like. He reminds me of how everyone wins when we follow him. 
And then throughout the day, how many times throughout the day I'm thirsty, aren't you? And I find it so difficult to love my wife or you'll probably be surprised by this. Sometimes I find it even hard to love you. You know, it's hard to love each other, isn't it? But you know what I do when I find it hard? I hear Jesus saying what? If anyone is thirsty, what? Let him come to me and drink. And what did he promise? From his innermost being would flow what? Rivers of living water. And so I run to Jesus and get what I need to love my wife or to love you. Do you know another way that we can uh, come to Jesus and drink? When we share Jesus with others. One of the neatest things about Jesus is the more you give him away, the more you enjoy him yourself. And what I love about the gospel, what I love about the gospel is the gospel enables me to connect and identify with anybody. But it also provides me the opportunity to offer anyone hope. It enables me both to connect with people and to offer them hope. So when someone shares with me, like I said in the beginning, you know, Smiley, I come from an odd family. Know what I do? I step toward them and I say, me too, me too. But do you know what I found helpful in an odd family? Jesus. And when I'm with someone and they say, well, you know, Smiley, I come from a dysfunctional family. I, you know what I say? Me too. And I step toward them and I say, you know what really helps my dysfunctional family? Jesus does. And listen, when I'm with someone and they say, it's so hard to love the people I love. What do you think I say? I don't have that problem. No, I, I, what I step toward them and say, me too. And that's why I'm so thankful to be a Christian. And people say, why? Because Jesus invites me to run to him and find everything I need to love the people that I love and to love the people in my church and to love the people in my community. Wouldn't you like help in loving the people you love? Jesus is just who you need. Why won't you run to him? He will give you everything you need to love people. Oh, I love being a Christian, right? Man, I can connect to anybody and I can offer anyone hope. Because all we're called to do is to point people to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful you came to seek and save those who didn't have healthy relationships, who didn't get marriage right or parenting right or being parented right or church right. Lord, we've all messed up and you came so we could experience grace. Thank you. Thank you for living and dying and rising for us. And thank you for the gift of eternal life. Listen, if you've never received that gift, won't you? Wouldn't you rather get what you don't deserve than what you do? Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and, and be my savior. And forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Lord, as your people, we who've received you, may we recognize how we cannot follow you in our own strength. 
And so may we run to you. And as we come to you today, Jesus, may your Holy Spirit fall fresh on us. Give us a supernatural desire and power to have healthy relationships in our home and church. And Jesus, thank you for modeling for us what healthy relationships look like. And Lord, remind us today why it's so important we seek your help. Because when we follow you in our home and when we follow you in our church, everyone wins. We get joy. We're blessed. We bless others. And we bless you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us.